Hi, I'm the person whose closet is put in color order, but I'll also pick up an earthworm without thinking twice. In fact, I did yesterday. <laughs> it needed my help. I'm not afraid to be a little messy. Human nature is messy, but nature nature can help us embrace it. I love the brand seventh generation. Their laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with the power of bioenzymes. That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm. Seventh generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark. It's good for you. That is the power of seventh generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. I love worms. Oh, hey, it's your buddy who swaps sandwiches in your lunch, Allie Ward. And welcome to another episode of Smologies, which are condensed, shortened, all ages, classroom-friendly episodes of Ologies Classics. So they're little and they are safe for littles. Okay, so this one, bugs, 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 bugs. So you may not know this about me yet, but I'm nuts about bugs. I love them. I have had a fascination since I was a kid. I used to get bug books for every holiday and every birthday. My walls now as an adult are covered in bug posters and pinned insects. So this week's topic is one of my favorite ologies, of course. But even more importantly, this particular ologist honestly changed the course of my life. She was just a friend of a friend at one point years ago, and she invited me one day to the LA County Natural History Museum in this lab that was off limits to the public. And it was an insectary. Now, this is a bug lover's dream. So there are terrariums of millipedes and cockroaches. There's butterfly chrysalises hanging like these tiny chandeliers, dragonfly naiads in gurgling tanks. There's a freezer full of tarantula molts. And at the time, I was going through a really sad period in my life. And not knowing any of this, this entomologist just casually suggested that I volunteer at the museum, and I did. And talking to kids about bugs one morning a week lifted my spirits. It changed my life. After doing it for a few months, I somehow was offered a job as a science correspondent for CBS for a show called Innovation Nation. It's still on every Saturday morning, eight years later. I'm still doing the show. And I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do since I was 12, all because I took this tour at an insectary. And I loved this interview. I love this friend. It's one of my favorites. So the word entomology comes from the Greek, meaning to cut up into little pieces, which is not what you should do when you find a bug in your face. Rather, it's a reference to insects' bodies being cut or segmented, so having a notch at the waist. There you go. And this guest is an entomologist. She's done a TED Talk called Learning to Love Nature in a Big City. She's an author on one of my favorite books called Wild LA, which every Angelino should own a copy of. It tells you all of the things that you see out and about, all the critters and the plants that you see in the parks. It's great. Um, I will link those on my website. She's also the manager of community science at the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles, one of my favorite places. So get ready to hear about bugs, licking cockroaches, social insects, less social insects, lots of legs, how to be an amateur scientist, and why bugs should be your friends. So please, ready your heart and your ears for Leela Higgins. someone at a cocktail party were like, what, what's your deal? What would you tell them? Hmm. Well, usually I, 
you know, I'm like, I'm bug geek. Usually there's no children at cocktail parties, but sometimes <laughs> there are. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with the children now and talk all about bugs for the next, you know, couple hours. That's actually a good question I have. I just complimented my own question. <laughs> this is an important question I have. Why are kids so into bugs and adults are like, kill it with fire? What's that? What happens? I think, I mean, I was really into bugs as a kid. I grew up on a farm in England and I dug up ant nests trying to find the queen. I like would put glasses over bumblebees to observe them. I would try to follow the butterflies down the lane and see where they were going. That sounds so, that sounds idyllic. Like following a butterfly down a lane in England. Are you kidding me? To the woods, basically. Not the scary woods. There were badges down there. What is the most fulfilling thing about being, having studied bugs? Well, getting to work at the Natural History Museum and being around other bug geeks and getting to go into the collection and pull out drawers and see just these spectacular specimens from all over the world, whether they're, you know, the big showy things that the crowd pleases or whether it's the hundreds of tiny little wasps or tiny little flies. What's a show-stopping bug? When you say like the showstoppers, what are you talking about? Um, so like Goliath beetles or Hercules beetles, like some of these beetles that are almost the size of our fist. Yeah, they're um, huge. Giant. Um, and then when holding one of those large beetles in your hand, it's you're just like, oh my God, it's so much stronger than I thought it was going to be. It's a little bit scary. Stronger? Like have, have any tried to use their huge jaws, powerful jaws to say hello? Um, I'm pretty good about not touching that end okay. <laughs> of ones that have large mandibles, especially large slicey mandibles. Slicey mandibles. I have a question. Insects are what, half of all species of, of living animals on Earth? Something like that? Um, I just know that there's about a million described species, but they estimate that it could be up to like 10 million. Yeah. So they outnumber mammals and oh, fish. Way. And birds. And birds, yeah. By- et cetera, et cetera. So in 1949, John Burden Sanderson Haldane was a British evolutionary biologist, and he was credited as noting that God, if one exists, has an inordinate fondness for beetles. He actually, like, laid it out, said, The creator would appear as endowed with a passion for stars on the one hand and for beetles on the other. God is just in a shack in the backyard tinkering over and over, being like, man, cannot get enough of these beetles. Can't stop making them. I can't stop. I love them so much. (sighs) When you're gravitating toward a certain bug to study, do you go for like really gossipy behaviors? Like, do you, are you like, oh my God, this wasp, they're parasites. They infect people like zombies. They sting people. They don't even make honey. Like, what's the deal with wasps? Um, well, the wasps that I actually studied and worked on right after I graduated um, from UC Riverside. So that's my alma mater, UC Riverside mm-hmm. entomology program. Amazing place. I studied biological control. And I think that I was really into that because it was, oh, we don't have to use so much pesticides out in the world. We can use insects. I mean, there are other creatures you can use for biocontrol, but I was obviously focusing on insect as biocontrol agents. And biocontrol is when you release an insect to kill another insect instead of spraying everything with like Agent Orange or something. Um, basically. Okay. That's a that's a great way lay definition for sure. Okay. Are you guys ready for some serious insect gossip? I hope so. So she was working on this project with the glassy winged sharpshooter. They are not native to Southern California. 
They come from the southeast United States, but they love to hang out on citrus and grapes, which is annoying because they poop everywhere. But also, they spread this bacterium, and this bacterium is bad news. It causes diseases such as, you ready for this? Sweet gum dieback, cherry plum leaf scorch, and phony peach disease. These are awesome names. So it spreads all these diseases. So what do they do? Well, Leela was working on this project where she was helping introduce a wasp that would eat the eggs of the glassy wing sharpshooter so that the glassy wing sharpshooter wouldn't spread the bacterium. Pretty cool. Also, these wasps have the cutest name ever. They're like little tiny superheroes. And they're called fairy wasps. Oh, stop And they're it. tiny. They're like like one to two millimeters long. They're the babies. They're and they're some of them are kind of golden, so it's like these little literally like with these really beautiful gossamer wings. They sound really beautiful and amazing, right? And the only problem was I was literally collecting these wasps on a daily basis, and they're tiny, and you use a little thing called an aspirator. So you've got like a little like tube that goes into your mouth and then you suck on it and then and then the little wasps go into into the vial and there's a little screen so it doesn't then you don't suck them into your own mouth. So it's like a proboscis for humans. Now, a proboscis is a tubular mouth part, like if a crazy straw grew out of your face. Like a yeah, that that's a, a prosthetic good... proboscis. <laughs> what is the deal with with like bees, ants being social insects, and the rest of them being like this apple core is mine? Well, okay, so there's some uh, wasps, bees, ants, and wasps, right? Uh, the Hymenoptera. Mm-hmm. There are many of them that are social insects, but there are wasps uh, and bees who are not. So, like carpenter bees are more like solitary bees. And you see the black ones flying around, which are the females, and the, the like kind of tan colored ones and the males. We call them teddy bear bees. But they're, they're huge. They're so pretty. I I once didn't know what it was and I tried to kill one, which I shouldn't have. And I and but the joke was on me because I I used a rolled up magazine and I and I blew out a window and then I had to pay for the window in college. <laughs> um yeah, so they're solitary. So a lot of people expect that um most bees and wasps are social, but there are some that are solitary and uh, don't do the whole social thing. So different types of bees might be wallflowers, preferring to hang out alone, and others might be social butterflies, except they're bees. But there are obviously benefits to to having that kind of social life because they protect their sisters. But so- they're usually ladies, though. Like when you see a huge colony, they're usually sterile ladies, right? So if we're talking about the beehives, like the the European honeybees, which are the bees that we see like all around here, again, not a species that is from North America. They're from Europe. Um, it's mostly females, but then there are the drones. And um, but, you know, they're they're not doing as much work as the women are. Right. But they don't drones don't sting. Males don't sting. No, they because it's a modified ovipositor that uh, is what the stinger is for a, a bee. So an ovipositor is kind of like this pointy tube structure at the end of a lady insect butt, and she uses it to lay eggs. It's kind of like um, a t-shirt gun, but for your babies. So drones do, in fact, have larger eyes, and they don't gather nectar or pollen or do really any work. Their primary goal is to mate and die. 
I have some questions that people wrote in that they, can I rapid fire question you? Oh my gosh, yes. But before your questions, we donate to a cause of the ologist choosing. And this week, it's going to the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County, where I met Leela Higgins, and also where she works in community science, which are programs that get local people engaged to help collect data for scientists. And you can learn more about those programs at nhm.org or at the link in the show notes. And if you're not in LA, if you want to find community or civic, sometimes called citizen science programs all over the country, Leela says you can check out SciStarter.com, which will also be uh, linked on my website. So thank you to sponsors for making our donation possible. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allies love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. KiwiCo's like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. You know what's essential to science? It's not a lab coat. It's skepticism. You know me. I'm down rabbit holes. I'm looking at charts. I'm checking conflicts of interest at the bottom of published papers. And this is helpful because it means I don't buy stuff I don't need. And if you're one of me that can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from like a mile away and you read labels like it's your job, congrats, you're a skeptic. One brand of vitamins that is literally made for us is called Ritual. It's a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. They have clinically backed essential for women 18+. plus. It has high-quality, traceable ingredients. They're in clean, bioavailable forms. They're also a certified B Corp, female founded. Just today, one of my powerhouse friends was like, "Ah, found out I'm vitamin D deficient. I was like, yo, ritual, dude. When I forget my multivitamins, there's much less pep in my step. I have noticed. They're also very beautiful. They look like tiny lava lamps with little tiny beads in them. There's actually a scientific reason for this, but I got to wrap it up. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Get that D. Okay, let's hear your questions. Okay, uh, Dave Long wants to know uh, what's with all the legs. Um, the six legs, two, uh, three pairs of legs. Well, they're in the arthropod groups, which is uh, jointed legged creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, insects have six versus like the arachnids that have eight versus some of the other creatures like crustaceans that have uh, seven pairs and whatnot. Um, why do they have six versus the other? I don't know the answer to that, but. Um, Obviously, those legs help them to 
um, get around, and some insects don't have wings. They've de-evolved wings, um, like uh, Madagascan hissing cockroaches, per se. Um, but those legs are uh, this this method of locomotion on uh, on land that works really well for them. So it gets them around, crawling crawling wise. That's the some answer. of them. Well, they answer. have some of them have saltorial legs, which are for jumping, good for jumping. Mm-hmm. Some of them have fossorial legs, which are good for digging. Um, what are some of the other mod- modified legs? I'm going back to all my uh, undergraduate uh, classes. Are pedipalps in the fr- on the front? But they're not. That's more of the arachnids have the ped like the scorpions have pedipalps. Is it true that and that exoskeleton rigidity is why insects could not maintain their massive prehistoric sizing? Brandy Demora wants to know this. Yeah, so the largest the largest insects we have right now in our current climate with our current like pressure on the planet um, is about the size of a fist, which are the those giant amazing um, beetles. But back in the day, when there were different climate conditions and pressure conditions on the planet. Uh, there were some giant, oh my gosh, I wish I could go back in time, giant uh, dragonflies that had like a foot long wingspan. What? What fossils? Ah. How loud were they, do you think? I can only imagine. You know when a dragonfly, uh, sorry, a hummingbird comes like right behind your head? If you're lucky. Imagine that multiplied by 10. So what? I don't know. I mean, that's an extrapolation. Who knows? Eric Martin wants to know what the white goo is that comes out of a bug when you squish them. White goo or yellow goo? Because when you, okay, so you know when you have a uh, driving down the road and there's a windshield mm-hmm. and a bug splats on it? Yeah. Um, if it's ye- a lot of yellow, that's usually the fat body of a female insect that maybe was like, got all this stuff ready for her eggs. <gasps> I don't know about the white stuff, though. But I mean, like, maybe they mean the yellow. Like, you know, when you smash a thing and it's like, and it looks like Twinkie filling comes out? You know what I mean? I don't know about the whole white thing. Like, I've definitely, I haven't squished that many bugs, surprisingly. I think um, he must be talking about fat. Okay, sorry. Story time. Quick diversion from the rapid fire. This one time I was in, when I was taking an animal bio class, I had to uh, dissect a cockroach. And we had dissected all kinds of stuff. We had dissected pigeons and and fetal pigs that were like the size of a puppy and incredibly heartbreaking. But Whoa. it was time to kill a cockroach. You had to go to this a tank full Which of cockroaches. Which less people cared about. Nobody cares about. And I remember slicing it open and a lot of like these feathery fat deposits came out. Well, because this is, so the um, spiracles uh, inside of an insect. So they, insects do not breathe the same way us humans do. We don't, they um, don't breathe through their mouth. And then the oxygen goes through the lungs into the um, circulatory system. Instead, insects have these things called spiracles along the side of their body, which are tiny little holes. And then oxygen is brought in through those holes, through these like very white. Um, when I've dissected some insects, they like the those tubes kind of like white and opalescent, kind of pop out. I have a. Do you have any bugs that you're afraid of? Like, are there like for me? I love bugs. I'm wearing a shirt that says "bugs" on it that was <laughs> made for me. But like, a cockroach is no friend of mine, and I and I can't really explain it. Like, if I see a cockroach in my house or especially inside, I get terrified. But I can hold a, like a spider on my face and not care. Like, what? So you wouldn't hold a cockroach? I could hold a cockroach. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because um, I've licked a cockroach in front of children before to show them that it's not dirty. She's a hero. 
<laughs> I was like, you know how people think cockroaches are dirty, kids? This was literally in a museum program many, a number of years ago. Um, cockroaches aren't dirty. This cockroach lives in the jungle and from Madagascar. And I was like, they're not dirty. And I literally licked it in front of children. How'd that go over? They thought it was amazing. They thought I was the coolest person <laughs> that ever existed until they went home. <laughs> yeah. Would, I don't know. I know that they're really fastidious, right? They're really like, they're in-depth groomers. Um, yeah, they, having particles on their body isn't necessarily something that's going to feel great to them. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've seen cockroach, the, our cockroaches like really going to town. Cleaning Grooming, themselves. right? Yeah. And I mean, they live, the so the Madagascan cockroaches we have at the museum, they live, um, in these amazing little habitats that we create for them. And we feed them all these little vegetables and um, sweet potato and little bits of mushroom and corn and all of this other stuff. They live better lives than I do. So do you have any closing advice? Like if someone wants to become an entomologist, if someone's interested in the field, like what advice would you give to a future entomologist? Like find your niche, like study the study the unglamorous flies no one cares about? Uh, well, first of all, there's just not that many entomologists in the world. There's just not that many out there who have the entomology focus and background. And I've literally worked at so many different places and I'm the only entomology expert there. And at the museum, there's a bunch of other entomology experts, which is awesome because I get to hang out with all these bug geeks. But yes, if you are going to be an entomologist and be a research scientist, focus in on something that has is a little bit less studied. I hope one day there's a, there's some kind of insect named after you, Leela, because I feel like you deserve it. So what did we learn? Pick weird bugs to study, don't inhale them, and never, ever, ever feel alone. Because there are bugs everywhere, and they can be your friends. Also, volunteer somewhere you love if you're bummed out. And Google Leela Higgins and follow her on social media. Uh, she just did a TEDx talk. She killed it. So if you have 18 minutes. Look that up. Learning to love nature in a big city. So good. Um, Ologies is on Instagram and Twitter at just Ologies. And I'm on both at Allie Ward with one L. And Ologies merch is available at ologiesmerch.com. And of course, we have more Smologies episodes, including a whole one about bees, uh, one about eating bugs, plus one on snails and wolves and veterinary science and the moon and dinosaurs. So download more at alleyward.com slash Smologies. And in the interest of keeping these short, we're going to list in the show notes all the people who worked on the show, but extra big thanks to Mercedes. Maitland and Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas and Jarrett Sleeper of MindJam Media for the edits on this episode. And if you stick around until the end, I give you a piece of advice. And this week, it's that when you're at a restaurant and people start singing happy birthday to someone, even if you don't know them, join in. Because first off, singing is fun. And also, wouldn't it be nice if a stranger wished you a happy birthday and sang to you too? I actually like to keep a birthday candle in my wallet just in case I find out it's someone's birthday and they haven't made a wish yet. 10 out of 10. Always glad I have one. Okay. Have a great day, Smologites. Bye-bye. Smologites.